Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to Revelation chapter 22. We're going to be covering some major Bible doctrines uh, for the next uh, few Sunday mornings. And um, today we're talking about heaven. Heaven. One of the most glorious subjects you'd ever talk about. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so it's, it's a wonderful destiny. And we're going to talk about heaven today. We're going to start by looking at Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, Revelation chapter 22, and there's a lot, an awful lot of verses in there. We can't, we're not even going to try to cover them all. I, I tried not to cover too many, because sometimes you get too much going out there at the same time. You just read verses, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but we want to drink it in, and, and this thought about heaven is just incredible. I, I'm going to heaven. I, that will never, ever cease to absolutely thrill me. I'm going to heaven. You ever have anything bad go wrong on earth? Well, probably no one in this room. Yeah, some pretty challenging things. But if, you, if you've been born again, what we're talking about today is something you're going to see. And it's amazing. One of the most wonderful messages that the Bible uh, has to tell us about is this message of heaven. It's our hope. It's what, it's what the prophets and Jesus and the apostles have told us about. This thing that's waiting for us, this place that's waiting for us. It's a real place. It's not a state of mind. Some people say, oh, it's a state of mind. Well, that's because they don't read their Bibles. It's a real place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. We're going to start by reading Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. And uh, this is the last book of the Bible, last chapter of the last book of the Bible. It's just wonderful. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servant shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they, they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that's ours to be in your house today. And Lord, we are just so thankful to know of this blessed hope of, the, uh, of this final home, the destiny. And Lord, you tell us about eternal things. There'll be a new heaven that we read about today. We're focusing on coming down as the bride adorned for her husband and will we'll, we'll reign and rise above the earth. On the earth, new heaven, new earth. And Lord, you have such a wonderful uh, scenario of events that you've, you've drawn so beautifully for us to consider, Lord, and to rejoice in. It just... It's wonderful. But Lord, it, we're, what we're looking at today is the benefit 
of salvation. And it is beyond our ability to comprehend. It truly is. But Lord, we realize that we are saved by grace through faith. Lord, help us to, to be very conscious in, in searching ourselves on, on our salvation. Have we truly been born again? Have we repented of our sin and asked Jesus Christ to be our Savior? Ask God to forgive us. No, we're saved by grace through faith. And Lord, we're just so thankful for that. Thank you for the great gift. Thank you for this glorious destiny. Thank you for the blessed hope that you've put in our hearts. And Father, we pray that there be any here today that, that are not saved, unsure of their salvation. Lord, help us to be a help to them. May the word of God direct them. May the spirit of God speak to them. Lord, to each heart today, speak to us so we might give you the honor and the glory that you so fully and richly deserve. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Heaven, it's awesome. In the Bible, the word heaven, heaven is used in a couple different places, a couple different terms. It is, it's talked about, the he, there's three heavens. The first is the heaven that surrounds the earth, the clouds, the birds fly in the heavens. That's where they fly. Then you have the stars and the planets. And if, if you know anything about the universe, and some people even talk about universes, which I, I do not subscribe to, but you have the heaven, then you have the second heaven, then you have the third heaven. The third heaven is one that we're talking about more clearly. This is the, the place of God's domain. It's God's home. And, it's, and that's where Christ ascended to. When he left earth, he went directly up to the third heaven. It's a beautiful place. It's going to include, it's going to be a place of perfect purity for every saint. If you don't like purity, if you don't like holiness, you're, you're not going to like heaven. Now, the good news is, when we see him, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. But holiness and purity is what heaven is all about. And so that's, that's our final goal. That's our final fashioning that God has a work in our life. So we ought to love that. If we love purity and holiness now, then we're really more fit for heaven. We're going to be in the presence of Christ, in that consciousness. Today, we, the Bible talks about now we see through a glass darkly. We are in, in a... I think we've got some pretty good understanding in this room today, right? Amen? We've got the Bible. It tells us about Jesus. It tells about our, our sinful condition. It talks about how he made the world and all that therein is. And about 6,000 years ago, the stars and, and all that. 6,000 years ago, he made all these things. We've got some pretty good understanding. But the best understanding that we have and all the creativity that corporately we could muster on this topic, we can't come close to the fullness of what is about to happen. Jesus has been, pre been preparing a place now for about 2,000 years. I, I won't say he's been working every minute of every day on that place, but it's going to be an awesome place. It's going to be, I hath not seen nor ear, ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. This is what we're talking about today. It's a beautiful place. It's a place in which the soul will be in an absolute, ultimate, blissful condition. Blissful. No more worries, no more fear, no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow. None of these things. Those are former things. They were never supposed to be part of the creation anyway. Sin and weeds and all these different things and, and the excess toil for the ground. None of these things were supposed to be part of the, of the condition. But, of course, God in his foreknowledge knew that sin would enter in and these things would come in by it. But they're not part of God's plan. And we're not going to see him in God's heaven. And so this place of heaven is a wonderful place. The first thing we're going to see is that it's fashioned and forever. Fashion means God made it. 
and he created it for a very specific reason, a very specific purpose. It's beyond our ability to understand, and we see in the verses that we just read, verses 1 through 5, Revelation 22, uh, the verse 1 talks about a, a, a pure river water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So in heaven, there's going to be the throne of God. We'll see the throne of God. And out from that throne comes this river. And crossing over this river, you see in verse 2, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, singular tree. This tree will, well, it's like one foot on one side, one foot on the other side, and the river goes underneath. That tree will just spread. And there's different kinds of fruit. So not just an apple tree or a pear tree, 12 different kinds of fruit, and each one in its season, and the, the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nation. So everything will be pure, uh, perfect and pure. There'll be no more curse there. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. No more curse there. Nothing that's vile. Sin will not be allowed there. That's why we need to get our sins under the blood of Christ, because sin will not be allowed there. Somebody might say, and they do say, I know they say it, I thought this before, before I got saved. Well, I don't have that many sins. And I'm not that bad. There is no sin in heaven. It can't get in. God will not allow any sin in heaven. Not one. It's got to be under the blood. Now, we're all sinners. We have saved sinners and unsaved sinners. But we're all sinners. And God will not allow any curse, any sin into his presence. Not one, not a bit. That's why our good works could never compensate for the sin that we did. We can't, we can't wash ourselves from the impurities that we let ourselves get involved in. We need the washing of the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for us on the cross. There'll be no more curse here. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. His servant shall serve him, and they shall see his face. Verse 4 is pretty interesting. Now, it's fashioned, and it's forever. This is forever. This is not negotiable. This is inevitable. The wheels, they say the wheels of justice turn slowly. Well, the wheels of time are turning at, at whatever rate God chooses. But this is in, in inevitability, this place called heaven. And it's going to be a wonderful place. It says, and those people that are there, they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. I don't oversimplify it and say, Jesus will be in black ink on our foreheads, but the identification, there'll be an identification with everybody there that will be so clear that they totally, exclusively belong to Jesus, that they belong to God. His name shall be written in their foreheads. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but I've thought about it. What about the people that we know and that we love, and they're not, going, they're not saved? They're not going to be on the new earth. They're not going to be dwelling in this heaven, and they'll be traffic to and from the earth and the heaven, and they're not going to be there. What about them? Well, I'm sad. And the sad is, is, doesn't, even, doesn't even meet the territory. That's such an understatement. I don't know a word that will capture it clearly enough. Much more than just sad. About people that won't be there. So, but I've thought about, well, won't there be like, won't we be there begrudgingly? That there'll be some oh, this isn't fair, or what about years ago, my mother said, before she got saved, we would talk about the Bible, we'd talk about heaven. She said, well, heaven is a beautiful place. It's a perfect place. So that means Skippy, that was our dog. Skippy will be there. Because to me, heaven wouldn't be perfect without Skippy, right? 
Now, what would you say to that? You'd probably smile, right? That's what I did. I said, no, nah, I don't think it goes quite like that. Because then I could make up anything. I want the, the New York Giants there, the 1975 team of the New York Giants there. You know, what's going to happen? Verse 4 says, we are going to so much belong to him that all of those former things that we thought about, that, that we were part of, that we thought were really, really important, they're just going to fade away. We're going to be exclusively and totally identified with him. It's kind of like a crush. You ever have a crush on a teacher? You're in kindergarten or you're in first grade. Do you have a crush? Anybody ever have a crush on your teacher in those early? I did. My, my kindergarten teacher's name, and I don't know if this is it because I, I had a lisp. Her name was Mrs. Feldenthal, or Feldensaw, or some derivative of it. And I thought she was the cat's meow. Right? You know, I don't mean to get too groovy for you here. <laughs> but I was enraptured by her. This, I, can't, I can't really picture her anymore. But I was, I, she's just the greatest thing. Now, at that time, that filled my heart. I'm like, this is so great. She's terrific. I bet I can get my milk at lunchtime. She'll let me get my milk at lunchtime. Terrific, everything's better. Well, we look back now and say, well, that was cute, right? And that's what we do. We look back, that was cute. That's the way I think we're going to look at all of Earth's relationships. In the same level that that kindergarten relationship was full at the time and satisfying at the time, what could get better than Mrs. Feldenthal or Saw? What could get better? Looking back, oh, that's cute. Because we realize life is deeper and richer and fuller than that relationship. When we get to heaven, in a similar manner, I believe, heaven will be like that. There'll be nothing fuller or richer, more meaningful than the presence of God. His name will be written in our forehead. And all of those relationships, all those identifications, all those things that maybe we, we lusted after and wanted after, they're all going to so much fall by the wayside. They'll be utterly, utterly meaningless when we get there. This place called heaven, it is, it's going to be a beautiful place. It's fashioned, and it is forever. It will never fade away. This is a new heaven and new earth. The Bible talks about in Genesis 1.1, God created the heaven and the earth. In Revelation 10.6, I'll just read it. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth, and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things that are therein, that there should be time no longer. <laughs> forever. No more time. Can you imagine someday? What time is it? I don't know. Who cares? It doesn't even exist anymore. Time doesn't exist. Time will not exist. So it's, it's fashion is forever, but also it's home. It's going to be our home and holy. And so this is a good point for the Christian to say, you know, how much do I like, you know, God's holiness in my life? I'm not talking about, you know, this holier than thou kind of thing that can come up and you know, I, you know I, I wear a blue suit, and if you don't wear a blue suit, you're obviously very holy, but uh, <laughs> a blue suit. Blue shirt, close enough, Jim, you're in. But it's going to be home. It's our home. It's where we're going to live. When we're there, we're not going to wish we were anywhere else. You've been in some beautiful places on earth. I've been there, you've been there. You know, Water Valley, you know, there's another place. Beautiful place on earth. But no matter where we've been, it's going to be our home. And it's going to be holy. This, is, this eternal destination. I speak somewhat broadly because there's a new heaven and earth, Israel and the nations in heaven. But this whole, this whole environment, it's going to be home, it's going to be holy. 
Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read some verses to you. I'm going to ask you to turn to others. But just for time's sake, it's home and it's holy. It's going to be beautiful. When we're in his presence, it's kind of like the prophet Isaiah. When he, he had this vision, he saw the, the Lord high and lifted up. He said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. What happened? He saw God as he really is. And no matter how self-righteous we may seem, and I hope there's no self-righteousness, but from time to time we may feel a little bit pleased with what God's done in us and how wonderful we are, how crazy that is. When we see him for as he is, like, I am nothing. I, I'm, I'm less than a cockroach at the Kentucky Derby. I'm nothing. Because we see him. In 2 Corinthians 5.1 it says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God in house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It's going to be home. It's going to be holy. And in, in Psalm 103, verse 11, it says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. He's high, he's holy. Turn with me to Psalm 20, verse 6. It's home and it's holy. It's going to be beautiful. And, you know, I don't know if you think, well, it's going to be home, it's going to be holy. That means if we think about other people, how God's going to fix them before they get there. Well, God's going to do an awful lot of fixing on us. And the Bible says, and I think it's 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, for when we see him, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. And so there's this change that's going to take place in us. You know, I heard one preacher say one time, wouldn't it be nice if God didn't have to do that much changing when we met him? And that's our goal as Christians, by the way, that he wouldn't have to do that much changing when we see him. But we know there will be a change. In Psalm 20, verse 6, it says, Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed, and he will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. It's home. It's home. We're going home. We had a terrific song we sang, the choir sang a couple years ago, Going home, a beautiful song. And uh, uh, Gary Courtright's mom got saved. I use that as kind of a, a tool to kind of, you know, just a great biblical message. Going home, going home. I'm going home. I got about 17 songs I really want sung at my funeral. If I happen to pass away in the next couple weeks, make sure going home's the, in there, okay? That's a really good one. I'll change my mind next time you ask me, but that's a good one. So as of right now, unless I rescind this by, by the signed affidavit. You know, I'd like that to be sung. It's home. It's home. It's home. And it's holy. We're going to be in God's presence. It's also, talking about heaven, it's rewarding. And it brings such great rejoicing. What is it negative that you could say about heaven? Nothing. The table's empty. You can't say anything negative about heaven. In verse uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, Saints are rewarded in heaven. This ought to really motivate us. We ought to work our brains out. And I don't mean excessively burnout where you get a bad attitude kind of thing, but we ought, to, we ought to work hard for the Lord. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, he's talking about persecution. He's not talking about you know, some other things we might do, which are very valid and very worthwhile, by the way. I'm not taking away from anything that we do. He's talking about those that are persecuted. Rejoice! 
Well, I don't, it doesn't feel like rejoicing. Well, that's why I want to tell you that you got to look beyond the here and now. It's so much better. Rejoice. And don't just be glad. Be exceeding glad, like, like rapturously glad. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. It's going to be a rewarding place. I don't know what the Bema Seed of Christ is going to be like specifically. I know some things, of course, the Bible tells us some things about it. The Bema Seed of Christ is, is the judgment seat of Christ for believers where God will give out rewards. I think we're going to be surprised. I'm going to be shocked. I, I, I can't picture it, and it's going to be overwhelming. It's one of those things, you know, David said, I mentioned this in Sunday school. David said one time, such things are too wonderful for me. I cannot attain them. That's the way a lot of these things are. When I look, think about the Bema Seed of Christ, such things are too wonderful for me. Let's just keep our head down, serve the Lord, and let him take care of the rest. But he says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You will receive rewards. The, the believer, you know, if you're a tear, if you, if you're, if you act like a Christian, but you're not really a Christian, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't apply. If you got to be, you got to really know that you're saved. You got to really know, this, this, all this is meaningless. This is somebody else's story. This is somebody else's story unless you're really saved. But if you're saved, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. I just, I, huh, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, we're saved by grace through faith. And I can't imagine being in heaven, whatever configuration the beam of seat actually takes, being in heaven, standing outside, saying, I can't wait till I get up there. Oh my goodness. We deserve nothing, nothing, less than nothing. And by his grace and mercy, because of his work in us, not because of any great talents of our part or any inner nobility or any that kind of hogwash, but by his grace in us, there will be rewards. And they're going to absolutely blow our minds. Before the holy God of heaven, we're just sinners saved by grace. And the Bible says in another place he, that he's going to Basically, put on an apron and serve us at a table. He's going to sit down. He's going to, he's going to say, sit down, I'm going to serve you. I mean, these things, I just, I see them, and it makes me appreciate his, his love and his personality and his, his personal connection with us. But it just, it's, it's, it's too wonderful to attain. But we can mark it down. It is a place of rewarding. Heaven is a place of rewarding, but also great rejoicing. And uh, there are a couple of verses on this, and I'll just... One would be 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It talks about to an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. It's also another verse comes to mind when I think about rejoicing. The angels in heaven rejoice over every sinner that repents. They rejoice. They rejoice. Is it all of them? I don't know. But it's plural. They rejoice over every sinner they repent. Maybe you think, well, I don't know if I want to do this, or I'm not sure, or maybe this, or maybe that. Forget about it. The angels in heaven rejoice over every sinner, over every sinner that repents. I'm glad I repented and trusted Christ as my Savior. And I'm a nothing. You know, and if you came here to get lifted up, I'll, I'll, I'll throw you in the pile with me. You're a bunch of nothings too, all right? We'll be a bunch of nothings together, right? We're saved by grace through faith. We serve him because we're unprofitable servants. We're doing what the master wants us to do. 
but there's rewards coming, but, we, but we've got to make sure that we're saved. Man, you don't want to miss this. It, it's going to be a wonderful place, a rewarding place, a rejoicing place. No negative there. You know, if, are you, if, maybe you're a pessimist. The world is made up of optimists and pessimists, and there's a blend of the two, and some are extreme pessimists, some are crazy optimists, and somehow between everything, well, in heaven, there's, you can't be pessimistic about anything. There'll never be a point where you say, I wish. <laughs> are you serious? No. In hindsight, maybe I wish more people were there, but I think even that thought will be wiped away. The Bible says that our tears will be wiped away. And again, verse 4, chapter 22 of Revelation. It says his name will be in our foreheads. Our identification with Christ will be so strong. Everything else that we thought was so important that, that broke our heart before is going to be just falling by the wayside because we're in his presence. It's going to be overwhelmingly glorious. No, no reserve of doubt. No reserve of fear. Overwhelmingly glorious. It's also going to be purified and peaceful. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 16. Revelation chapter 7, verse 16. Revelation 7, 16. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. Verse 17. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. It's going to be a beautiful place. It is purified. And this next verse we're going to talk about kind of emphasizes that. We'll get there in just a moment. But he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's lots of things we cry about, and I think we should. He that goes forth and weepeth. He that goes forth and soweth weeping. Uh, he that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again and rejoicing, bringing sheaves with him. We ought to weep. If a Christian's eye is always dry, something's missing. And we don't understand the environment that we live in, the responsibility that's ours to get the gospel out. We ought to go forth and weep. Because it's that serious. It's, it's more than that. But there's going to be a day when he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. It's a wonderful place, a glorious place. It's, it's going to be absolutely overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. Again, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We can't imagine. The most creative people on earth. I've read some beautiful poems. I've heard some tremendous sermons. I've seen some great portraits, like that portrait of Christ hugging someone. Have you seen I think everybody's seen that one. There's so many really great portraits that say, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome. They don't even come close. As inspirational as they are, they don't even come close. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, heaven is a purified place. There won't be any sin allowed in heaven. And he says very specifically, and this is one of many verses, but Ephesians 5.5 5 covers it very well. And he says, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. The Bible talks about, over there in 1 Corinthians, about liars shall not enter in. 
effeminate shall not enter in. I mean, so many things will not enter in. There'll be none of that up there. Today we see things on earth that are just offensive. They really are. It's, it just makes us sick to our stomach. The, the perverseness of, of man, and, and not just the, the current growth of these crazy gender schemes and that kind of stuff, but, but just the regular run-of-the-mill uh, perverse speech and actions and these things that have been with us and all, they've all been with us for, for, for a long time, forever, since the beginning, probably. But none of that will ever enter in. No liar. You ever lie? I have. I've lied. I remember. I remember some of my lies. I could list a lot of other things. You ever drink? You ever lust? You ever steal? You ever kill? Some people have killed. All of those things prohibit us from getting in. I want to come in. I know you want to. You can't. No one will be there and say, I don't want to go in. You know, there was a, a theory in the Worldwide Church of God, I believe, where they believe there's a final decision you can make before your eternal judgment. And the final decision is, and I, I don't mean to, to misrepresent it, but I, my understanding is, final decision is you're standing before God. Your choices, heaven or hell. Who's not going to choose heaven? But, my friends, it's too late then. I'm sorry, won't cut it anymore when it's not by faith, when it's not before the time. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolatry, idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And this sin, it, we're identified. And it may not be as much as someone else. It may not be as much as maybe we thought we would do. And so now we're a good person because we didn't do as much as we could have done. None of it will get in. We've got to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. It covers our sins. The Old Testament sacrifice has proved it. Hebrews talks about it. We're covered by the blood of Christ. Our last passage I want us to look at today is John chapter 14. I almost started with this passage. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Purified and peaceful. It's, it's just absolutely awesome. Absolutely. And I, I might read a couple more verses, but the last passage I want us to turn to this is our father's house. You know, there was an old song, a simple song, in my father's house, in my father's house. And have you ever heard that song? I don't remember the words. I'm not going to try to put you through it. But in my father's house, in John chapter 14, and this is probably my most utilized passage of scripture that I use when I go to the hospital. Certainly in serious situations, I use this. The last words that my mother heard on earth we're John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. I was there the night before she passed away, about 10 o'clock at night or so, and she was foggy. She, the, the cancer had spread to her brain. We thought it was just a medication thing it, by the speed of how things moved. And so she was, and she was unresponsive all day. I got there in the evening, and I read to her John chapter 14, and it's like she was, she was visibly trying to shake the cobwebs away. And I read... Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 
And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. Now how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, John chapter 8, he said, And if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Jesus was very clear. There's absolutely no other way to the Father except through him. No other way. Some people try to talk to God directly and relegate Jesus to some teacher or good prophet kind of status. Never work. Never, no matter how sincere you are, you may even have a tear in your eye when you pray to the Father and try to bypass the Son. It will never work. It can never work. God said, and he told us, it will never work. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But in this passage, it's, so, it's such a great, concise uh, description of the process. Let not your heart be troubled. You know, the apostles were ready to go through some pretty difficult times. Jesus is going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to ascend up into heaven. He, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. In my Father's house are many mansions. There's a great future coming for us. In my Father's house are many mansions. Some, some Bibles will make it dwelling places. It's a mansion. In my Father's house. Well, how can you have mansions in a house? He's just said so. Don't struggle with this. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Can you imagine having a mansion in heaven? Oh, my. Somebody once said, and it's a pretty good argument for this, and we won't take the time for it now, but our mansions are built with the material we send up before us. There's an argument for that. I'm, I'm going to leave that with God. Whatever he does, he's going to do it perfectly, and we'll have no complaints. But there'll be a mansion in heaven for us. And in my father's house are many mansions. Can you imagine walking on the streets of gold? That's what this heaven is, this new Jerusalem, the city that lies four square and is 1,500 miles wide and long and high, and that's heaven, and it's going to come down. It's going to basically stay above the earth. It's a beautiful place. Imagine having a mansion, a mansion in heaven. There's some mansions here. We went to Rhode Island. Have you ever been down Mansion or I think it's Mansion Row in Rhode Island? You see these beautiful places and these high ceilings. They're pretty impressive. It makes you feel like, wow, I wish I had $35 million. <laughs> I remember standing there with the kids, I don't know, some number of years ago. And it is impressive. It's like, wow. Look how people live. This is really nice. Servants. You, know, you pay them well, right? Bring you all the nice food, piano, playing. And this is how you live. You look around and say, I'm pretty comfortable. Right on the water, big lawn. This is nothing compared to what we're going to see. And it is nothing. We should never covet after those things. If you got those things, great. Have a blast. But that's... That's, that's not even a doghouse in heaven. We're going to have a mansion. And he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And I love this, and we'll, we'll close with this. In verse 4, he says, this is so important, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. I love how scripture is written. On so many cases, maybe every single one, it's so easy to apply. Picture there, you're, standing, you're one of the apostles, disciples. Jesus said, whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Lord, and Thomas was a brave one, um, we know not whither thou goest. 
And how can we know the way? That was really common sense. They were doubting. They were just saying, we don't get it. Uh, we don't know. Because if you were to say, Thomas, Thomas, where does he go? How does he get there? Don't, not really sure. None of us know. Jesus said, here's the key. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we know Jesus, if we have Jesus, we have the truth, we have the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So we need Jesus. There's a lot of theology. We'll, 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 we'll get told about it when we get there. We're not going to be masterful on all points. There's no way. It's not possible. We'll have that fulfilling when we get there. We see through a glass darkly. But one thing we know for sure, everybody wants to get there. Nobody wants to miss it. The problem is a lot of people don't even think about it. But everybody wants to get there. Nobody wants to miss it. And the key is Jesus. It's always Jesus. And it's only Jesus. The Son of God, he's, he's, he, he was the sacrifice for the payment of our sin. He paid the ultimate price. He, was, he became sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Us, imperfect people that we are. We might be made the righteousness of God in him. So my point being, the, the most important thing we could do today, if you're unsure about your salvation, or if you know that I'm, I'm really not saved, you don't want to miss this. When I got saved, I understood that there was a hell. But my motivating factor when I got saved, I didn't want to miss this. I understand it all. I know I understand a lot more about it now. I knew that my sin separated me from God, but I wanted to be with him. I wanted my sins forgiven so I could be with him. That's what moved me. People are moved by different things, but the main thing is you definitely don't want to miss it. You need to trust Christ. You need to ask God to forgive you. Repent. God, please forgive me. I, I don't like the way I've been. I'm asking you to forgive me, change me. I want Jesus Christ as my Savior. It's a wonderful place. And Christian, and I know most people here uh, have trusted Christ as Savior. This is a great message. Great message for people to hear. Let's, let's bow our heads for just a, a moment as we pray. Heaven. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And I'm just so thankful. I'm eternally thankful, eternally grateful for this great place that he's prepared. I'm thrilled by it. When things are going bad and life is getting kind of tough, it thrills me. It thrills my soul. This is an undeniable, inevitable conclusion for me. Is it for you? Well, let's show them our, our gratefulness and our thanks. Give them the honor and glory that he deserves. We deserve none of it. But boy, he's done everything for us. If you haven't yet trusted Christ, please consider doing it today. Ask God to forgive you for being a sinner. Repent. Turn from that. Turn from that life. Ask Jesus Christ. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to stand and sing a couple of verses of invitation. If the Lord spoke to your heart, the altar is open.
We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.